We've got an exciting morning today here. We are unpacking um, stepping out. What's the vision this year? That's right. Step up, step in, step out. And today we're unpacking step out. And the scripture from Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to, has been given to, do you believe it? Let's say it again. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. Do you know each one of you has been commissioned by God to go and make disciples? God has put within each one of you the anointings, the gifts, and the graces that you need to go and make disciples. Because God doesn't call us to do it all exactly the same way. And we're going to hear about some exciting ways today. But there is an anointing upon your life to go. You know, you carry the light of Jesus in you. And everywhere you go, his light shines. You take his light with you. So when you go into a dark place, don't ever say your work is dark. Your work is a dark place when you're not there. But when you're there, the light is there. You go and you take the light with you. And we also saw that if you're not a disciple, then you cannot make disciples. And so we looked a little bit, didn't we, last week about stepping into life groups. And this week we are talking about stepping out and making disciples. So a disciple, just to remind you, is someone who is growing in his devotion That's the stepping up part. Someone who is growing in his relationships. That's the stepping in part. And someone who is growing in his witness. That's the stepping out part. And so today we're going to be practical and we're going to look at some practical areas that this church is involved in. You know, one of the the big parts of our vision is the children and youth with Studio 4 next door. You know, we don't want to have a kind of a flagship building that is empty and not being used. But God has an amazing vision, amazing things planned for our children and youth. And he's using them now in such an amazing way. You know, the figures we gave you for salvations, they didn't include how many got saved in children and youth. So it was higher than uh, what we gave you. That was just the adults, what we know of. Okay, so that's exciting. We're also going to look at local missions and we're going to look at the community detached work as well, because we really need to see that grow and expand. And we're going to look at open doors. What does open doors mean? So first of all, I'd just like to invite Becky, who's going to come and she is our uh, children's uh, youth leader and she's going to share about the children. I've got a time limit, so I've got my phone out, not because I'm texting someone, because I'm watching the time. Okay, how many of you were children? How many of you were youth? Oh, right. Did someone look after you? Did someone teach you how to be? Did someone give you an example of how to act? Or do you know what they might not have? And it might have explained a few things that's happened in your life. Just a little challenge. Um, I want to tell you about a bit of research that happened. And if you've been at the training centre when Pastor Claire and myself have taught children's or youth work, then you would have heard this before. But it has completely changed my view on quite a lot of ministry. Um, so this guy called Barney, he did some research. Um, it's from the States, but actually they think that it's pretty much exactly the same here. Um, And basically, he talked about why churches struggle to have any kind of significance in today's culture and society. And 
the reasons that he came up with was that, I will read this to you, adults essentially carry out the beliefs they embraced when they were young. The reason why Christians are so similar in their attitudes, values, and lifestyles to non-Christians is that they were not sufficiently challenged to think and behave differently, radically differently, based on core spiritual perspectives when they were children. There's studies that show that what you believe when you are nine, what you believe when you are 13, is what essentially you'll believe for the rest of your life. Now, there's some people will have dramatic life-changing experiences, road to Damascus, like Pastor Alan didn't believe when he was younger, now is believing. We believe for that to happen. We believe for adults to get saved. But how much easier is it to see someone saved and trained when they are young than try and fix someone that is already broken? How much easier is it to save them? There was I wasn't going to say this, but it's just popped into my head. There's a story um, in a book. I can't remember what the book is. I don't know if you know. It doesn't matter. Um that this guy had this vision um, one night. He was a pastor of a church and he had a vision and he was standing at the edge of a cliff and he saw all of these people just walking off of this cliff. And at the bottom of the cliff where all these people were lying, broken and damaged, there were these Christians setting up camps and they were trying to fix these people and trying to put these people back together. And he was like, was like, why are they falling? Why don't we stop them falling? We need to stop them falling. And so he began running, uh, running up and down this cliff edge trying to save them, trying to stop them. And he started shouting to the people, come up here, we can stop them getting hurt. We can stop them getting hurt. And everyone was just too busy fixing. And this completely changed my life because actually if we stop, well, we do need to carry on fixing. But if we start stopping people falling off the cliff, we're going to save a lot of time at the bottom and a lot of hurt and heartache. And so one of the reasons why I do children's work and youth work is that I don't want to see people broken and try and fix them. I want to see them living a good life right from the start. I want to see them having the right mindsets right from the word go, so that when they're old, they are so secure, they are so strong, they know who they are in Christ, and they are then able to disciple others. The research also showed that the importance of families, not just churches, but families, and not just families, but churches. You heard the saying that it takes a whole village to raise a child. And do you know what? That's actually really true. It's cliche, but it's really true. And the, he found in this research, this Barna guy, he found that the parents that got hooked in with the church, with their children's work, their kids, they're the ones that stayed strong. They're the ones that became the pastors. They're the ones that became the evangelists. It's the ones whose parents went, come on kids, let's partner with the church. Let's do it together. So today, we want to ask all of you parents to hook in and to, to do it together. Because we can't train your kids. And parents know that you need help training your kids because you can't do it alone either. Especially when it gets to a certain age and they don't want to know what their parents say. That's where you need youth workers. So we want to challenge every parent today to sign up for once a term to come and help And we're going to ask for Go Kids and Go Tots. If you're a parent of a younger kid, you can sign up for Tiny Tots as well. If you're a parent of an older kid, then serve, sow. Because where you sow, you reap. You sow into children, you will reap in your children. I can guarantee you that. He also found that more than four out of ten people ministered to during a week from every church, more than four out of ten are children. So 40%, more than 40% are children that get ministered to every week. But seven out of eight dollars, this is American, is where the money is spent on adults. Seven out of eight. So those figures seem wrong. But do you know what? What does a child need? We don't, children, it's good to have equipment. It's good to have finances and it does need that. But what kids need is kidneys heroes. And they need people that are willing to stand and show them something different. Children decide if they like church or not by the age of four. And that's set. By the age of four. I'm not going to say anything else. (laughs) Okay. Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 and 19. says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That doesn't say if you feel like it. 
It says, teach them. Mark 10, verse 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. Do you know what? Sometimes I feel like we do that. That we prevent kids from coming because it means that we can't get to Jesus because we have to do it in a different way. And sometimes I think we do that. And we're an awesome church, and we don't do that very often here. It's very rare for that to happen. But I don't want to be a church where Jesus rebukes us for stopping kids getting to him. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. He put his hands on them and he blessed him, blessed them. Do you know, Jesus then left. He waited to bless the children before he left what he was doing. Have you blessed the children before you go on to what you want to do? The Israelites were given a specific instruction to chain their children. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1 to 7. They were told, instruct your children, train your children, teach them the word. Not parents teaching them the word, but the Israelites, the whole community. Teach your children. And out of that, there were two promises that God said that things would go well for the Israelites and that their nation would increase mightily. I want things to go well here. (laughs) And I want the nation, this nation, to increase mightily. I want the kingdom of God here to prevail. And we have such an easy promise to do, is to teach the children. And this nation, this church, will increase mightily. Psalm 127, verse 3, says the children are a reward from the Lord. Proverbs 26, 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22, verse 8. Proverbs 13, 24. Proverbs 19, 18. Proverbs 20, 30. Proverbs 23, 13. Proverbs 23, 14. Proverbs 29, 15. Proverbs 29, 17. Ephesians 6, 4. I can go on, but each of these says instruct your children, train your children. Literally, the list is like endless and endless and endless. Um, Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples. It's all the world, not part of it. It's not the adult. Children have got just, they've got such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful capacity to have the Holy Spirit inside of them and to use it because they're not clouded by the life experience that adults have. They have such a beautiful capacity to say, okay, God, use me. I'm not afraid. I'm a child. I can go up and pray for the sick. The children, in a couple of weeks' time, the go kids' age, so the 7 to 12s, they're going to run the service again here. And last time that they did that, it was incredible. I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. Do you agree? It was incredible. It, it changed something in here, didn't it? It changed the atmosphere, and it did for the kids. 90% of learning for anybody comes with what you're doing. And so when we show the kids and let them do things, they learn it and it gets stuck in them. Children don't always come from the perfect homes. I didn't come from the perfect home. But what I had when I was eight years old is I had someone come up to say, Becky, I believe in you, and gave me a microphone and said, I want you to preach today when I was eight years old. And then when I was nine, we had a guest speaker and they picked me out of a crowd and said, right, Becky, you're preaching today. On the spot, go. When I was 13, there was someone that came up to me and said, I can see something in you, and I want to train that. I want you to start leading the prayer meetings that we have every week. So every week from that point onwards, I led prayer meetings of hundreds of people. When I was 14, 15, someone came up to me and says, Becky, you can lead stuff. I believe in you. You can do that. I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for the heroes that have spoken into my life and have believed in me. They didn't do much. To be honest, I fell flat on my face most of the time. And they could have done a lot better. But what they did was believe in me. What they did was show me an example of, do you know what, this is how you worship Jesus. So do you know what I started doing? Worshiping Jesus. They became my heroes because they showed Jesus to me and they believed in me. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be standing here. I tell you that for a fact. It's not my natural instinct to stand here and do this. When you are a hero to someone else, to a child, and they believe that and they see that, 
Whether you're perfect or not, it doesn't matter. When you believe in them, they grow up and believe in somebody else. And they grow up and they're a hero to somebody else. And I want to challenge you today to be a hero. Everyone wants to be a superhero. When we were younger, everyone wanted to be a superhero. You watch all the action films and the adventure films, and every single one of us, whether we try and hide it or not, we want to be the hero or the heroine in the film. And you know what? Kids in youth ministry, you get to be that every week. And not only do you see their lives changed, but you see your own life changed. Tell you what, if you want to know, if you know God, if you know the Bible, you teach it to a child. You teach it to a teenager. Because you have to have it so fully grasped to give it, to share it, to explain it to them. If you want to grow in your walk with God, do some children's work. Pastor Claire is nodding ferociously. <laughs> I was once told that the devil doesn't know which children are going to be heroes or are heroes now. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. So what he does is he tries to destroy every child. He tries to get them to fall off the cliff edge. He wants to destroy potential heroes. And you know what? There's a lot of wrong in this world. And we sometimes want to protect the children and hide them from it. But what I want to do is teach them the word and teach them to know Jesus so that when all the rubbish comes at them, they stand strong and nothing shapes them. So that in five years' time, they're standing strong in the next school or the next college or the university or their job. So that in 10 years' time, they're still standing strong so that in 15 years' times, that 15 years' time, they're standing strong. So that in 20 years' time, when they're pastoring a church, hundreds of people that they're pastoring are standing strong. So that in 15 years' time, when they're the next prime minister, there's a whole nation that can stand strong because they know who they are in Jesus. So that when the next Olympics is up and they're competing, they can stand there and they can say, I did it for Jesus. I'm here because of Jesus. And they can speak to the whole world. That's what you do when you affect the life of a child you don't just affect that child they have their whole life the disciples made a mistake in pushing the children away from jesus and trying to give the adults priority and churches across the world are doing that this isn't a church that is doing that but we can't do it alone and i'm (laughs) i'm coming on strong but i'm really passionate about this can you tell because someone was my hero And someone, several people, actually changed my life because they believed in me and because they gave me an example and because they made me juice on a Sunday morning and because they sat and they helped me do a worksheet that told me about God's love that would never fail me. And I want to challenge you to be a hero to someone and to not think that you can't do it. Because the types of people that were my heroes were not typical children's workers at all, at all. But they showed me it doesn't matter who you are and you don't have to be a certain type of person to be a hero to someone. So parents, I want you to partner with us and we want to partner with you. So sign up after church once a term, that's it. Three times out the course of a whole year, that's it. It's not very often. Those of you that don't have children or have grown-up children, join the team. You can do it once a term if you want. Because do you know what? When you serve, when you sow into their lives, you're going to reap it. So for me, it's not ideal if you do once a term and that's it. But for the blessings that it will have in your life, come sign up for once a term. Sign up for twice a term. Sign up for once a month. Join the team properly and do two, three times a month. It will change your life. I'm going to pass the mic back to Pastor Alan now. Yeah, that's right. We know when I was uh, about seven, I think it was, uh, I ended up in hospital and uh, uh, an infection that paralyzed me and, and caused some stuff. Uh, and that, while I was there, there was someone came around visiting and prayed for me. And uh, it was only years later that I kind of realized uh, what they had done uh, praying for me in that time because I had uh, an infection that was blood poisoning related. Uh, and uh, then my next encounter Christianity was that uh, I wanted to play uh, sport, and uh, my my um, school uh, we had a couple of players that played for England and uh, a couple of players that played for a county, and uh, 
they went to this club that was held in a church. And it was the best club in the whole area. And in order to go to that, you had to go to church. And so at 16, 15, 16, I went to church for the first time. And uh, there I met some people. Some of them were even born again. And uh, so I discovered this Jesus a little bit, but I hadn't a clue how to get saved. And uh, so I went to university. And at university, again, I met some Christians. And uh, they talked about being born again. But no one ever taught me, what do you actually do to get born again? And so I ended up in drugs. I ended up crashing out of university um, because I was high. And uh, after I left university and uh, had wrecked everything, and my relationship with my parents had disintegrated, and everything had gone wrong, uh, a Christian took me into their home. My girlfriend's mum opened up her home to the very guy who was sleeping with her daughter. Would I recommend that? Of course not. But actually, in the midst of that, someone came and knocked at the door. And all they did was give me a very simple gospel presentation about who Jesus was. And there and then, having had the preparation, no, not subconsciously not really doing anything with it, they just said, how to get saved? And that day, I got saved. That was July 1983, and I'm coming up this year to 30 years as a Christian. As a 20-year-old, I got saved, and I'll be 50 this coming year, this year. For me, that was the most dramatic turnaround that someone on drugs, someone who's blown it, someone who really, I'd given up, actually, and uh, just happened to be in someone's home who opened up the gospel to me, the way they lived, and then someone who came and preached. And within three months, I was working at Kingdom of Faith, and I got established properly, taught properly, discipled properly. And uh, we I just want to share this, because this is what the challenge of this year is, as we look at uh, the presentation that I'm just going to start talking about. Because one at a time is actually the challenge. We are called to make disciples. We are called to be disciples and to make disciples. That's what this year is about. And uh, as, we're, as we're looking at this, as we're seeing how God wants to use us, you know, as a child, God spoke into my life. I didn't recognize it. And there was no further contact because our family lived in an area where the church was nearly non-existent. We've got life groups around the city that our job, our task, the reason for a life group is to be a local citywide church or to be a citywide local church. It actually works both way around. That's the vision of this place, is to wherever we are, wherever we live, that's where church gets expressed that every age group gets touched. That it's not for the adults, it's not just for the kids, it's both. It's for the grandparents, it's for the, it's for the parents, it's for the kids. That every age group we are looking at it. So as we well, just want to just quickly demystify the hardness of evangelism. You know, evangelism is not hard. Evangelism is not really hard. Jesus said to uh, to us in uh, John 16 go in all the world and preach openly publish openly the good news of the gospel to every creature it's to publish it is it's just to make it known to explain it to unpack it in a way that you 
have experienced it and to make that obvious to someone else. So the guy that prayed for me and quoted scripture over my life in that hospital sowed something that other people then watered later on, even though it was several years later. And even though they didn't do the whole job, someone else had to come along later. God made sure that his seed wasn't left untended. And you see, for us, as we're entering this year and we're looking at it, we're just demystifying the hardness of the gospel, that evangelism, it is the whole world. So what does that mean? What does, what does the whole world mean? Well, the world is where you and I are. It is exactly where we are, where, where we're taken through work. See, sometimes work directs our lives, and sometimes we direct our lives. But whether you're working and that's directing your life, or whether you're actually just making decisions, we want to make the most of every opportunity. We've got amazing doctors and nurses in this uh, church. We have, it's one of the privileges that we have so many in the healthcare profession in this church that are actually, in normal terms, not allowed to do stuff in the hospital. But actually, there are always opportunities without breaking the rules to speak into other people's lives, whether it's your work colleagues or whether it's patients, that actually you don't have to say the Bible says, you just sow the word into someone's life. It doesn't have to be a clear explanation. It just needs to be the word. Let the word in there. Do it in ways that actually doesn't get you sacked and doesn't get you before tribunals. But speak the word. Speak it in ways that make it easy. You see, when we're preaching and we're publishing openly, what does that mean? It just means that we're giving testimony of what God has done in our life. Uh, there's a businessman came to see me yesterday and he was, he uh, was talking about, uh, the plans. I've known this guy for about 10, 15 years now. I must 10 years, 10 years. Uh, the church has only been going 15 years. Uh, and over the years he's, he's had this vision of something he wanted to do and he's kept sowing into that. He's kept uh, working hard at it. And, uh, he came and he's just saying to me how he has, sown over the years uh, because God gave him a plan, a thing to do. God showed him what to do with a, a, a new design that no one else was doing and it's been most of his adult life has been trying to see this reality. And uh, he was just testifying how uh, three years ago he came and he gave uh, us some money, to, we, uh, put it through our letter box um, for the church, and uh, we put it into the church. But what he gave was the whole of his week's income, uh, his his personal income, not the ch- his business, uh, which I think was about four hundred and fifty pounds. That was, that was his his week's money, and because he listened to what God was saying, he 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 sold that money believing that God would somehow look after his future. And that week he ended up uh, in, a, in a, a presentation somewhere and a businessman came up and gave him £300,000, which enabled him to buy the glass-cutting equipment that he needed for, the, uh, for what he was doing and start production. He's now at the point where just looking at the rolling out of a million-pound business is really, it's, it's begun. And I was thinking how, how just the simple of speaking into a man's life, every now and again, as he's allowed me to, has brought a change in his life. And it, it, sometimes it's simple stuff. It's correcting some wrong thinking. It's telling someone about the simple ways that God has worked with you. You see, it's every creature. It's, it's, it's not just the, the ones that you necessarily get on with uh, or uh, it's convenient to talk to. It's talking to the, the guys on the streets. It, 
in evangelism. It's talking to the uh, the car park attendant that comes and um, uh, puts tickets on uh, the cars around here. Mm. Oh, 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 sorry, did I touch something there? <laughs> because if it's going to be me, every creature, it takes someone to do it. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I think we look a little bit like this. <laughs> oh, no. All right, so what we're going to be doing, Gleason and Marina, they're, they're ministering uh, in France at the moment. Uh, but we, we've organized this with them, that they're going to be some training. So we can do this, can't we? It's funny, uh, you know, Bob the Builder, uh, uh, children's cartoon that our kids have grown up with. Uh, and can we do it? Yes, we can. But that actually, that's, that's the attitude of our kids. Bex is out in, uh, in Mexico. And that's her attitude is, yes, we can. She, does she have everything right? Of course not. But the more she is grown up with someone putting it into her life, how to hear God as a kid, now she's doing it as a teenager, because this is the promise that kids will not depart from the Lord. Train a child up when it's young, and it will not depart from the Lord. If you want to know how to keep your teenagers on, on course, start early, teach them, bring them to church, serve in the church yourself, show them both ways. And then, when you're a little bit older, you'll reap all the rewards. Because this is the reality. It's not about precious. You see, we don't, evangelism, the word of God in our life, it doesn't pressurize us to do things. It just comes spilling out. You know, I, I, I was reading through uh, uh, Matthew 7 today. And, and uh, that's today's scripture. And uh, as I was reading, what came out was the verse 7. It's Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask. Ask, and it will be given. Ask. You know, we need to ask in the morning for those opportunities to speak in someone's life. And then, seek. So sometimes, you know, we can be so busy that we forget to pray during the day into, oh, Lord, I thank you. You've, I've asked you. I'm praying. I'm looking. I'm looking for that opportunity. Who am I looking for, Lord? Show me the person. Because it then says, knock. Knock. What does that mean? Actually, speak to someone. Actually, say, do you know what? I had a really awesome weekend. Uh, I, I went to church and, and uh, I saw uh, someone get healed. Or I, I, I was at our, our life group and uh, we prayed for this person who had cancer and something changed. We want to be those that are actually, we've got testimony. I sowed into this and I saw God do that. What is it? You, you're, you, just, you don't have to do anything more than that. Because they will respond to you. That's what the scripture says. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And him who knocks, listen, this is God's promise to us. The door will be opened. When that guy knocked on my door, is a missionary from Southampton City Mission. I don't know how many other people he led to the Lord that year. But the one person he led to the Lord in me, I've affected loads. I don't know about who else he brought to the Lord. It doesn't matter to me. He was a significant, major part of my life. And you see, that's what it is. It's, it's just been who God's called you to be. It's just being who God's called you to be. Your abilities... Your input, your culture, and your tools. So, it sounds good, but how is that going to work? Well, the reality is, it is real simple. It is one at a time. It's one at a time. It's one person. It isn't trying to get 50 people saved all at the same time. But just one person. 
Uh, last week, someone got saved in service. Praise God. I also want to hear someone got saved in the, in, in, at school. I want to hear someone got saved at the life group. I want to hear that someone got saved over a meal at the Trafford Center or in your home. Those are even more exciting because this is God's promise. If we knock, if we seek, if we'll ask, he's going to do immeasurably more than we expect. And, you know, in evangelism, it's all through relationships. Each one of us, either in our workplace, the neighborhood, or our family, we know someone who needs the Savior that we know. Whether it's as the Lord healer, the Lord who, who is a provider, or the Lord who is powerful, or the Lord who knows how to give promotions. We can demonstrate those. The testimonies we have are 117, wasn't it, that were on testimony cards last year. Awesome. But you see, we all have connections. And those connections, they're different. There's a reason for that. There's a reason that our connections are different. We are different. We're not all the same. We know different people. And we know the different needs those people have. You know, the, the reason about life groups is it, such, such a powerful thing is you actually get to know the people who are around you here in this room. So different people, they require different strategies. God didn't use the same strategy for me that he used for Claire. Claire got saved right at the start of her life as a five-year-old, six-year-old, praying in tongues, understanding God speaking to her. Me? It was 20. God knows exactly how to get us saved if we will allow ourselves to be used. We, God will take us to the right people at the right time. And so, Gleason Marina, they're working with us, and uh, the new team that's there, it's, it's going to be real practical. Because the life group is part of the let's go vision of this church. It's part of the step out. It's part of the plan for this year. Phase one is training. One month, three sessions, training in evangelism, using the one-at-a-time material that we're actually developing. Okay? Then it's phase two is going to be enabling. So we've got materials that Claire and I and Gleason and Marina, uh, they're helping sort of craft that so that we've actually got tracts, DVDs, just mini-teachings that you can hand to someone whether it's about money, whether it's about uh, healing, just so that it makes it real easy to put something in, in people's hands. So resources to help people in your life group reach one person at a time. So you say life groups. Then there's the, f- the third phase is about the sending out. It's not alone. You know, God loves using us together. You know, Claire and I, we have meals with people, and that's most of the time when God uses us. He doesn't always get us out there on the street doing stuff. But because we do a mixture of things, we find ourselves with more and more opportunities to speak into people's lives. This week I was over in Sheffield and speaking to another pastor's life who's just planting a church, just going through the things that we're going through. It's really exciting. That God is taking me to minister to multiple pastors now. But the reason for that is so that there's more evangelism. You know, we're hoping that we might get back over to India this year. The church over there has doubled since we were last there. So one of the lifetime, one at a time, is chaining in the life groups, and it is the street evangelism. So Gleason and Marina are actually heading up two teams. It's kind of one combined thing. One is the training through the life groups. The second one is street evangelism. So if you want to get involved in either of those, Joshua, who's uh, helping them, Joshua Chi, at the back there, he is going to be over at the tables helping you get linked up with this. Life group leaders speak to Gleason Marina, about when you want to get connected in. I know that the first group is going to be starting this month, uh, in February. Sorry. The first that's going to happen in February. 
I'm back. Can you imagine if every single one of us reached one person this year, what this church would look like? Just a thought. It'd be crazy. Okay, we're going to tell you about Community Detached. We have a pretty slideshow. Makes me happy. That, by the way, that photo, all of these photos are from the community that we go out and reach to. Okay, so what do we do, Community Detached? The first thing that we do is we pray. We don't do anything else unless we've prayed. Uh, we build relationships with people. We talk with whoever's in the street or um, when we do, when we knock the door to give something away, we have the opportunity as well to touch people's lives. Does praying sound scary? Is chatting to people scary? Is giving someone a turkey scary? Okay, community detached is not scary. I just want to tell you that. It's not a scary estate. I'm from a little middle-class posh town down south, and I don't find the estate scary. Okay. <laughs> okay, so when we first started Community Attached, God gave us um, a vision, a thing, a purpose, a something. Um, about the difference between what the world sees and what God sees and what we should see. And so we just want to show you some of the things that the world sees and what God sees. So the area that we work on, just about a mile up Langworthy Road, has the highest urban population density of all of Salford's wards. The world sees that as a problem. I see that as a massive opportunity because there's a lot of people in one place to reach. Um, it's been branded in the category of 3 to 7% or worse of the most deprived areas for health, crime, unemployment, leisure, living conditions nationally. I don't see that as a bad thing. I see that as people that have needs that need to be met so that we can show the love of Jesus. Okay, so what do we see? Alicia, what do we see? Um, yeah, we... We've been working and praying, and uh, and every time we go out, we we just see our dream that come true. So we we have this word that actually was uh, Becky's initial uh, vision and and dream that we you know Ezekiel thirty seven you see bones I see an army. So we we want to show you a few a few things that we see. And we believe it's what WHBC sees. Mm-hmm. So, so they they see bones, and we see an army. We see people ready to fight uh, the Lord's battle, equipped, um, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, and just ready to celebrate the victory that we have. Uh, they see recession, and we see prosperity. Yes, we, we see a community that abounds in all of God's promises and blessings. And not only financially, but in wisdom, uh, in relationships, in favor. And, and we see that every time. Um, they see forgotten and unloved. And we see chosen and loved. We see sons and daughters totally accepted in God's love. And uh, that are justified by his grace. Can I just tell you the story of these three men? We were walking down the street, taking photos. And they saw us walk past with the camera and went, take our photo, take our photo. And they kept going on, so we had to take their photo. The people, they want to be loved. They're crying out for notice me, come talk to me, love me. They're crying out for it. And they're so, they're so ready for the gospel. They are so ready for it. Um, they see addiction and we see freedom. Yes, yes we, um, they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. So it's for us to tell them. And uh, they are free to follow God's plan. They are free for a better future. They are free to enjoy life and they are free to worship God. They see bricks and mortar, 
and we see people. Yes, we, we see not just new buildings, just not after, you know, oh, it's going to look pretty. No, we see a community that is regenerated and restored from the core and uh, a community that is going to impact others as well. Um, and we see God's people. Yeah. Um, they see crime. We see people. Uh, no, we see safety. Um, we see love, the love of God working in people's life. Um, so there is no place for crime and violence. We see anger replaced by joy, and we see violence replaced by peace. Yeah, um, we see a community that feels safe because God lives with them. They see redundant. And we see fit for purpose. Um, We know that God has a plan already for this area. And every person will fulfill his purpose. And the spaces will come to life to serve the community and uh, to benefit them. We see death. Uh, No, they see death. Sorry about that. And... We see life. We see eternal life. The life that only our Heavenly Father can, can give. A spirit-led life. They see chaos and we see beauty. Um, in faith, every time we walk, we are so passionate about that area. And we see places that are transformed. We see everything is beautiful and it's God's creation and it's there for a reason. And, uh, and we see places that people can rest, work, play, and enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we see, uh, they see emptiness, but we see a massive opportunity. We see opportunity um, and we see God, our creator, filling people's hearts with ideas. To, to go and, and transform and change other people's life and help them to fulfill their purpose. And today we believe that WHBC has the opportunity to reach out, mm-hmm. uh, has the opportunity to share, to, to love and, and to create and, and go there and, and change uh, someone's life. Yeah. I was told that the best one of the key things about a leader is that you learn to delegate well god jesus delegated the great commission to me i've been doing it i'm going to now delegate it to the rest of you <laughs> okay so the why why do we do community detached because it's our community we're here it's on our doorstep Joshua 1.3 says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. It's ours. We walk on there. It's ours. It's not for someone else to look after. It's ours. What does the Bible say? I like the Bible. It backs up what I'm saying. (laughs) Galatians 5.14 says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. They're our neighbors. They're right on our doorstep. And how do we love ourselves? We look after ourselves. We feed ourselves. We spend time with people. We spend time with people that make us feel good and encourage us. Let's love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Hebrews 13.2. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. I like that. I like the idea that there's someone on the estate that's an angel. And that every time I go and I speak to them. And I bless them and I encourage them. Or I pick up a bit of rubbish outside their doorstep. I like the idea that that's to an angel. I just thought I'd throw that in. Okay, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. But you are the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. 
Church is a bit like a basket sometimes. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. We have a city to shine on. Okay, what have we seen already? Crime reduced. We feel safe there. Mm. We walk around and, you know, everyone is friendly. Litter reduced because we also pick it when we pray. <laughs> we go litter picking. It's amazing, good fun. <laughs> um, graffiti is reduced. There is so much less graffiti. There is The whole place looks and feels different than it did five years ago when we started. It's just the whole atmosphere is different. Um, we've built relationships with people. You walk down there and every five seconds it's, hi, how are you? Hi, do you want a drink? Hi. And it's, you can't walk more than two steps without someone coming and saying hello. And we have had so many opportunities to share the gospel. So many opportunities to share the gospel. And I have never once gone there to share the gospel with someone. I've never knocked on a door going, I'm going to tell them the gospel today. I've been the gospel. We have seen children and teenagers and adults come to church. And some are coming regularly every week. And some of their lives have been completely changed. We've seen people get healed on the estate, on the community. We've had people come up to us and say they've got a headache. And we've gone, okay, let's pray. And they're like, I don't believe in God. I'm not a Christian. Let's pray anyway. And we've got a bunch of non-Christians paying for another non-Christian. And they've been healed on the street. (laughs) And we've seen people break down in tears at the love of God when we've given them Easter eggs and when we've given them hampers at Christmas. So, step out. How can you get involved? You can pray. You can pray at home. If you're not able to physically get here, you can pray at home. You can pray during the week. You can pray when we go out. We don't do anything without praying there. And that's why we've seen such a change there. You can go prayer walking around the community. We go prayer walking every single week you can go with a friend with someone in your family without us there you don't need us there to go and pray if you want a map i'll give you a map you can come on detached with us and come and see and come and meet these amazing people who have so much to give and you can get involved in discipling the people that want to go the next step and have seen that there's something about this jesus And you can get involved in befriending them and taking them out for a coffee and showing them what you can do. We need you. (laughs) (laughs) They need you, actually. (laughs) Yeah. And um, we need to be obedient. And we have our only purpose. And it's, it's to follow what God is saying. So we need to, to reach out. Alicia, can I ask you a question? Why do you do detached? Because you've only recently started coming and you're on the worship team, you serve in the church. You're not a person that likes to come stand up in front and speak to people. What? And I know it took you time to come. So why do you do it? Yeah, well, last year we have already a vision that we needed to impact uh, our community and and I just had this this call that this community needed to be changed that we were here for a reason that I was calling to this church for a reason that I came from the other side of the ocean for a reason and uh, and even when it was a bit scary at the beginning because I was thinking well where I'm going to be there with my accent and all these people that perhaps don't want to hear what I'm saying but it's, it's what I see and and yeah, I I also want to see a community that is changed um, and uh, new things coming up and, and regeneration and and I just shared in the life group and I said I you know I have an idea that as well from my background you know in design I, you know I want to see everything to look you know how it should be and uh, but I know the only way to achieve 
that is to reach out first. I cannot just do my plan, my great plan, that I, and, and not do first reaching out to the community and go and understand what their problems are. So that's what I'm doing. If you want to know any more, or if you want to pray, or if you want to come on Detached, you can come and have a look. You don't have to sign up for life. That table on the end there, Alicia's going to be there after church. I want you to come and speak to her. Thank you. Well, what amazing opportunities that we have. You know, everybody could get involved, if you want, with prayer walking. As a church, uh, 11, 12 years ago, as a church... Uh, leading up to Halloween, we all went out and prayed and we did a rota. Uh, and it was an amazing time. We walked this three mile triangle where we live, where, where our church was based at the time. And it was a really powerful time and we saw such a change in the community. Everybody can get involved with that. I just want to tell you about the, the fourth opportunity, uh, that we have is uh, what we're calling open doors that you will have heard us talk about on Vision Sunday. Uh, from the end of February, the, uh, the offices next door will be completed and we're going to use them as we intended. Do you remember one of them was a media room and one of them was for children and youth and, and they're going to be based in those rooms but we're actually going to move all the offices so there's going to be some floating desks and other people next door but what that means is that Studio 4 is going to be open every for five days of the week every day, all day which means that the sanctuary here can or could be open Five days, all day. And, you know, it's been one of my dreams to have a church that is open all the time for people to come, for you to come, for people from the community to come. We want everybody to be able to drop in. You know, we've talked about going, and that's great. That is right. But I really feel that God is talking to us about having an oasis here. And last Sunday night, those of you who were here at Encounter Night, it was just such an awesome night of worship and an encounter with God. And if you weren't there, you really missed something. It was like this whole room was filled with the whole of heaven singing with us. And I went home and I said to Alan, Alan, did you feel like the whole room was full? And he said, I'm glad you said that. So did I. And somebody else said that too. It was just such an amazing presence of God in here as we were worshiping him. And God just really spoke to me about here and how God wants to use this place, about it being an oasis, that people would come here for healing. They would come because they're, they're crying out in pain, and not just physically, but what's going on in their lives. And they're going to receive restoration in this place. And God gave me a picture almost like this whole place full of water. And one of the things he said to me was about there are many different shaped containers that I have given you um, so that you can draw water to give to others. And we talk a lot about people coming to the well and drinking, but I really feel that God's going to bring people where we're going to have to go to the well for them and give them the drink, you know, because people are going to come who are thirsty. And so... Um, we'd really like this place here to be open so that we've got the hospitality. We're serving tea and coffee for people coming in here can be open for prayer. You can come in your lunch hour. You can, um, come with a friend and just come and be in here in his presence and pray. Um, actually from next week, next Sunday, we're going to start prayer up in the crash room upstairs. There's two rooms upstairs here. The larger one upstairs from 9 o'clock to 10.30. We're going to have prayer before the service, uh, which uh, Rose is going to oversee for anybody who wants to come. If you feel you've got a gift of intercession um, or, pr- or you just want to pray, because we want to cover everything that happens in this place with prayer. And that's just the start. uh, what we're looking to is prayer throughout the service and it would be great to just have continual prayer going on in this building so we're looking 
for people, volunteers who will help oversee the hospitality area. Maybe we can have the bookshop open all the time. Um, Sanctuary Project is part of Open Doors, and currently it runs on a Thursday and a Friday, um, but it's one ministry amongst a whole load of ministries that we want to do. Open Doors covers Studio 4 and the Sanctuary, it covers both buildings. Um, we're really looking this year to launch a CAP Center, and we have a table for CAP if you want to go and find out about it or become part of the team. Parent Talk, which is an amazing resource for parents. Who knows? You know, when you have a baby, nobody gives you a manual, um, but it's just an amazing resource. And so um, there's a table there. You can go and find out about Parent Talk and when the next courses are. But what do you want to do? What do you want to see happen as part of Open Doors in Studio 4 or here? Maybe you want to start a parent and toddler group. Maybe God's speaking to you about something else. Really, the sky is the limit, you know, and we're saying those rooms next door are available. From the end of February, we're going to be in the offices. So, so the Go Tots room, the Tiny Tots room, they're going to be available to be used. So what's God speaking to you about doing during the day? You know, maybe you're sitting at home and you don't know what to do. But God's giving you a seed of ministry, a seed of outreach. Maybe in something that has been said today, you know, you're thinking, wow, you know, I could really see that start. So I just want to um, give you some ideas. Maybe we could have an afternoon of tea dance in here, if that's your thing. You know, our faith goal, one of our faith goals this year is to have a minibus. So older people might not be able to come here, but we can go and collect them and bring them here. So really the sky is the limit. It's up to you. What do you want to get involved in? And I'm going to be sitting on that table over there for open doors. If you want to sign up as a volunteer or tell me what you would like to do for the community here in these two buildings. So as you can see, we're... Um, looking for volunteers to sign up for loads of things. So first of all, I'm just going to run down them again. Heroes for our children and youth. Are you a hero? You know, I, I found it a real challenge when I had to do the kids' ministry, but it really was so good for my faith, so good for my faith. So do you want to be a hero for our children and youth? Join the team. And if you're a parent... You need to go and sign up. You can get your three times, once a term. You can get it all sorted in your diary so you don't miss it at all across the year. Um, the evangelism team training. You know, again, reminder, you can go over to see Joshua. Do you want to be part of the team? Is evangelism your gift and you want to be part of the team? Um, do you want to be involved in street evangelism? Cat parent talk, I've already said. And the community detached. Do you want to really get involved? Do you want to pray? Because they, they will send out regular prayer uh, requests to you. You can sign up for that. Or do you want to prayer walk and be part of the team? We're really looking for every person in this building to step out. You know, it doesn't have to be difficult. So we're just going to take a minute now um, just to close our eyes. And just to listen to God, because at the end of the day, it's God who shows us what he'd like us to do, to be involved in. So let's just close our eyes and just take a minute and just commit your time to God again. He's in charge of your time. He's in charge of everything you do. And Father, we just come before you. With open hearts today, we've heard a lot of stuff. We've heard a lot of exciting vision and exciting passion. Father, we want to step out. And Lord, I pray that you will show each one of us what to be involved in. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that you have anointed each one of us to go and make disciples. I thank you that you have put gifts and graces in our lives. I thank you, Lord, for your love and your heart for those that are lost, those in our local community. Thank you, you've given us words of hope to give to them. And Father, I thank you for a spirit of boldness coming upon each one of us now to go forth, to go and take your word, to go and make disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.